Well, thanks for joining us once again here for Bearcat Rewind, a special one coming up. We're talking M-Club Hall of Fame, especially football right around the corner. It fits perfect. We're joined by Dave Tollefson, uh, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat in 2004 and 2005, one of the all-time sack leaders at Northwest Missouri State, won a couple Super Bowl rings with the New York Giants. Dave, appreciate coming on, talking with us, and um, congratulations, too, on uh, the upcoming induction into the Hall of Fame. I I really appreciate it. Uh, Anytime I can talk about Bearcat football and reminisce a little bit and and really even talk about what's going on currently, obviously everyone in Bearcat Nation knows the relationship that I have with Coach Wright. So I appreciate the congratulations and and, and excited to visit. Well, before we dive too deep into the Hall of Fame stuff, you mentioned current Bearcats and Coach Wright. Of course, you know, we're coming up next week as the opener for Northwest Missouri State here in 2023, heading to Joplin to take on Missouri Southern. And, of course, we're kind of in the middle of a massive heat wave right now, too, which doesn't make things easy either. But what was it like for you in Maryville in 04 and 05 and going through those practices and just that feeling knowing, hey, live action is right around the corner. you got to hold on just a little bit longer. It was definitely exciting. Um, I remember the first season I got to Maryville in 2003, being a California guy, uh, having played junior college football, and really a guy, you know, I was always proud of myself on being in shape, in the weight room, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember getting to Maryville for practice, maybe late July, early August back then, and I w- could not believe how hot and humid it was. <laughs> It was unbelievable. Like, we're going to practice in this? Because it was hot where I grew up in Concord, California. It'd be 100 degrees, but no humidity. So, like, you know, back then we get a bagel and some orange juice, and it was off to practice for double days, right? <laughs> and and it's, it's neat you mentioned uh, as you're getting closer to the season because through these dog days of camp, as they've been through this year, that's what carries you. You know, you're preparing, getting ready. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you can complain and moan and whatever, but you get time on campus with your buddies that you play with, and it's just you guys for a while. And um, it's, it's definitely an exciting time of the year for, I think, for everybody. I think we get a little more excited because we love Bearcat football. But, man, this is, just seems like it's football season's right here, you know. When you've been hitting your own teammates for a month plus sometimes, and then you've got the heat mixed in with it, we'll see it sometimes at NFL training camp on NFL Network, but do you have occasionally some skirmishes or some things get a little bit dusted up between offense and defense just because it is the heat plays into it and you're tired and you want to see a different MIAA opponent over there? No, that never happens. I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, like I actually had this conversation with my uh, freshman at Elkhorn High School here in Nebraska, and you know, getting frustrated, and really, you have to, like any other time, like even in the spring, you really don't see the frustration in practices. Uh, but you put some heat on on these boys, and like you're tired, it's hot, you've been hitting the same guy for three weeks or two weeks or even a week. Shoot, you know, you, you just. But that's part of it too. As long as you know no one's getting hurt, it, it's you hate to say it, but it's kind of all part of the game. It's a physical game, and people's feelings get hurt. And then, like I said, you throw fatigue into that. You your brain can almost melt with that sun hitting it. You know. Well, you think about that, and of course we're going to go down to Joplin next week, and it 
it probably will be cooler, I'd imagine. We're kind of in a series of 100-degree, 95-plus-degree days, and, and so surely, even though Joplin's further south, maybe we'll get a little reprieve. But you head down there, and rolling into that matchup, you know, we look at Northwest Missouri State through the years. We're kind of expecting it to pick up where it's left off, which, you know, we probably shouldn't do that all the time because we do get fat and happy as media and fans watching the Bearcats. But perennially, as you know, defensive lines for Northwest Missouri State are tops in the country, year in and year out, churning out MIAA defensive MVPs like yourself, All-Americans. When you look at this and what Coach Wright has put together specifically on that unit, what's the secret sauce? I mean, you're one of the few guys that's been in there and, and uh, been able to see it. Can you kind of shed some light on that for us? Yeah, man, and, and what's probably the most interesting is there really isn't a secret sauce. It's hard work. Um one of the first things that Coach Wright did when he got the job, I, I had been in Maryville for maybe six months when Gus moved on and they hired Coach Wright. Was we, we were the first ones out at practice getting work in, and we were the last ones to leave. And it was just a barrage of work, work, footwork, handwork. And just, you know, you hear the process and all that kind of stuff from guys like Nick Saban, but Coach Wright really embodies that. Um, I think that that point's proven with just like what you said. We, we've had multiple half dozen MIAA defensive players of the year, and, and just as many guys have at least got a shot to play in the NFL. I mean, it'd be hard to argue that there's another Division II football school at any position group that is putting guys out at the next level like Rich does at, at Northwest. And it's just who he is. He, he's got so much energy. He cares so much. Uh, and, and the guy, and he's hard on us. Coach Wright was hard on me. He, and I needed it. It it was, it was part of the, the growth for me as a young man and, and what I was going to become as a football player. And, and, uh, I wouldn't have been who I was if it wasn't for him. So I, I'd love to give you guys a secret. You know, there's the only secret, I guess, if it ain't right. If it's not rich, right, it's not right. That's one of the things that we would say in the D-line room. That's probably all I got. Hey, it paid off. You kind of look around that room, and you know, your couple of years here, guys like Steve Williams, Dallas Flynn, Ryan Waters, that even carries through. We look back last year with an Elijah Green moving on, Zach Howard getting a shot in the NFL, and um, mm-hmm. it does kind of just stack over the years. Um, you mentioned, too. Well, just- Matt Longacre, who's a... Uh, getting inducted with me as well, which is an incredible honor to do with him. Matt and I have become great friends uh, after our playing careers, not just at Northwest and then fell, but yeah, I mean, and, and we all have something in common. We had Coach Wright at the at the helm, right? That's right. Well, and you think, too, you mentioned just the hard work and just how he was hard on you guys. And you could probably look at certain groups, and I'm sure there are certain places around the country where they're like, We've got some athletes in here. We're not going to really worry about that as much. But, of course, he made sure you guys were tip-top when he got here. For you, especially looking at just a non-traditional path, I guess, to get to Northwest Missouri State from you know starting out junior college, you get a chance to go to Fresno State, but then some injuries derail you. You're working at Home Depot a little bit before you get to Northwest. And I'm sure it's a story you've told many times, but how did that, the cusp of Fresno State, to where you're a Bearcat and, and one of the best of all time? Yeah, man, and really, my junior college career was extremely average. I wasn't very big. Um, I had amazing coaches, still great friends with them to this day. Mike Dar, he just retired 
from coaching junior college, and Ed Hall, who is a Hall of Fame college coach in California. But he, Ed Hall would always tell me, you know, David, you're a young Howie Long when you get bigger. And, you know, I'm 215 pounds as a sophomore playing linebacker in junior college. Like, it's just not happening. And really that time off, uh, for me, my body matured in between getting to nor- Northwest in junior college, uh, and really me kind of messing up Fresno State by not taking schooling serious. You know, uh, I would not change it for anything. Like you said, everybody's kind of heard this story. Um, you know, Coach T called me yesterday. He'd seen a picture, I think, on Facebook of, of my wife and I and the kids before they start school. And it was neat to talk to him. But, you know, getting lost in the football stuff is Northwest Maryville changed my life. I met my wife there. Um, and, and the coaches, the leadership and holding me accountable, you know, I, I, it sounds like I'm almost joking about coach Wright being hard on me, but that was all part of the process for him of just holding me accountable in every step of the way, leadership off the field, weight room, everything. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic story. I'm blessed. Um, and, and I'm just thankful and to have the opportunity to now go in the hall of fame with so many incredible people and, and you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really kind of a dream come true. When you got that phone call that told you you're going into the hall, I mean, was that something that you kind of expected that it catch you by surprise no. at all? No, no. Um, and not to get too deep in the weeds, but you, you one of the rules was graduation, uh, which is fair. You know, again, that's something I learned with coach T the rules are the rules with stuff. And you got to follow them and, 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 and deal with the repercussions if you don't. And, and I had just kind of come to the conclusion. I'm, I'm, I'm really basically like a year and a half or two years from graduating. I'm like 50 credits short, which is, which just sounds crazy. But my junior college, I, I, to stay eligible, I just took a bunch of PE classes. So nothing transferred. I mean, when I started playing at Northwest, I was like maybe in my third semester of school credits wise. So it wasn't like I was a class short from graduating, and I just I was okay with that. That's that again, that's a rule, and I'll deal with it. So Coach Wright called me, and and this is probably I guess a month ago, and, and I was busy with my kids. School hadn't started. My youngest son had stubbed his toe outside. Like so, hey, Coach, can I call you back in fifteen? I shoot him a text. He's like, yeah. Fifteen minutes later, on the dot, he texts me. He's like, you know how to tell time. Like an obvious coach right deal, right? Like, okay, coach. So he calls me. He's like, you know, I'm on my way to Iowa City for a camp, and you can't even call me back. I'll turn around this car and show up at your house and show you who's boss, which <laughs> Coach Wright's always talks to me like that, and I'm laughing. And and he says, uh, he says, you're in. I said, what? He's like, you're in. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, you're in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, shut up. Like it was the furthest thing from my mind, Matt. I, I and and again, I was okay with it. Um, I've been fortunate enough to keep relationships down there with people I really care about, and that's the important thing. And and it was emotional. It really was for me um, when he told me that, and and to hear it from him, a guy that that we have just grown so much together. I mean, we're connected to the hip forever. We. 
I started playing in 04 and he started coaching D-line and, and it's just a forever thing with him and I, you know, so it was super special. Well, and a terrific class to go in with here for the class of 2023. And of course, you've been up for, for games over the years and, and um, seen these uh, ceremonies and the inductions and been through all that. But now your chance to get uh, get in yourself. That's so cool. Now, you know, you mentioned you've got a wife, you've got kids and, and they're of the age two to where they can be right there on the sideline and witness this and something they're going to remember for the rest of their lives, too. Um, just a really special thing to be able to take away and, and kind of plant those seeds for them too of you know what we know how great dad was at football but then all those folks that will come up alumni and old fans that will kind of reminisce too um, and they'll know just how beloved Dave Tollison still is all these years later at Northwest Missouri State yeah and it's going to mean a lot and I tell you what what gets me excited is Pittsburgh State at home for homecoming (laughs) right like man what a I mean that's a game I might have gone to regardless you know to, to come back especially as my kids get older. Last year I came to a game. I think it came a little more often as they've started playing football to come see uh, how Maryville does it, the pageantry and how much they care about the football program. But, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's neat. And, and, again, getting in with Matt, um, getting in with Coach Doral. And, uh, you know, Coach Doral was coaching the O-line. He'd come in, I believe it was my – might have been my junior, could have been my senior. So him and I butted heads a little bit, as you could imagine, when he was coaching the O-line. So to go in with him, and I have a relationship with him, which is fantastic still to this day. So uh, it, it, it's awesome. You know, I, I just, there's not, you, you know, hindsight, as much as I didn't care about it, this probably is one of the bigger things that that really means something to me in my athletic career, considering what Maryville did for me. It, it means more than I could say. You know, I remember whenever it was, I want to say it was 2007. Could have been 11. No, it would have been a set. I can't remember. It all kind of blends together. But you come back to Maryville as a Super Bowl champ from the New York Giants. And so I had just, 07 would have been my freshman year. And so I kind of um, missed you coming in, but got to watch you there playing the NFL and see you win a Super Bowl. And it just so happened it was like a February basketball game in Bearcat Arena. And my parents came up to visit. And didn't know you were coming, and you walked in the door, and people swarmed you. You signed autographs, smile on your face, and I'm like, Mom and Dad, like this is the this was the guy. So it's, it's one of those <laughs> things that, like, I mean, everybody knows the the exploits and what you did, and, and how great that was. And so, I mean, still waving that flag for Northwest Missouri State to this day. I mean, I think that means probably a lot more to the community than you really realize. Yeah, and that's it. it, it I feel that. That's important to me. Um, as much as that community embraced me, I mean, I was I was on the fast track to no, nowhere when I got out there, and Coach Boswick took a flyer on me. And I, you know, I had, I had grown up in a big city. Uh, you know, Concord's in my head it wasn't big. It was one hundred twenty thousand people, so it's huge. To Maryville, but I, you know, I grew up fishing, doing things out in the country, and but I never really spent time in a community like Maryville. And uh, man, it, it's it, my friends have visited when I played, and they still talk about it to this day. That it's just such a you you have to go there, right? You have to be there. You have to see it. The people care about the students, not just the athletes, but the students and. 
And, man, I, I love talking trash. You get all these D1 guys in the NFL, and I always tell them I probably won more playoff games than you won games in the season, so I don't want to hear it. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash foundation. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Now back to this week's interview. You're with the, was it the Raiders on the practice squad and you get mm-hmm. signed by the Giants and there in 2007 and you walk into a room with Michael Strahan and Osu Manure and, and it's uh, Tom Coughlin's the head coach and Eli Manning. And when you kind of walk around, I mean, how quick do you walk in and you're kind of able to just be yourself and just dive in with your personality or is it a little bit reserved and I'm the new guy and I'll kind of stay back and be a wallflower for a while? Yeah, that, that that move, you know, it's something I don't talk about a ton, but it, it was a, a lot of anxiety. You know, um, I was fortunate enough in, in early 07 when I was on the Raiders practice squad, I, I was living at home with my mom and my stepdad. And, and Megan was here in Omaha, and she was working, finishing her degree. And and so I, there was a comfort level there. And, I, I like, the NFL, man, they move fast. So I get home, I, I think it might have been a Monday, it could have been a Tuesday, and I'm on a red eye that night, and we have practice the next day. Like, here's your number, here's your equipment. Um, thanks. You know, I didn't even get any of my. St- Oakland had to ship my locker full of stuff to to uh, New York. So you keep your mouth shut. Obviously, Michael Strahan. One of the really neat things that did happen was Warren Sapp was in Oakland with me, and we're still friends. And he called Mike. And Mike grabbed me when I got there, and he's like, hey, Warren Sapp, call me Dave. He's like, he, a lot of really good stuff he had to say about you. If you need anything, let me know. And that that really broke the ice for me. And, uh, you know, I walk into a room, my, you know, like you were saying, Michael Strahan, O.C. Humanura, Justin Tuck, Fred Robbins, I mean, Barry Cofield. You're talking about the best D-line room in the country, in the NFL. And uh, they made it easy for me, um, and 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 I kind of embraced my role as a special teams guy. I was Strahan's backup, and I kind of knew I wasn't going to get a ton of reps. You know, I mean, <laughs> backing up a Hall of Famer, you kind of just make sure his his coffee's made right. You know, <laughs> so it, it it it. But you know, the anxiety and the nervousness. That was the first time I was on an active roster. It was a real thing. It was it was really important to me to. To, for you know, I hate the word legacy because it's it's weird. You know, LeBron James, I feel like it's messed all that up. But <laughs> I wanted to tell my kids I worked hard when I hadn't had any yet. But you know, if you if you work hard and do the right thing and and listen and do your job, you, you can you can live your dream and it and it actually happened. It was unbelievable. Did you have a good sense of, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to work, and I'm going to have a chance to stay with this team for the remainder of the year, or maybe they'll bump me to practice squad, or, or what the kind of uh, situation was at that point? Yeah, man. It, it, again, it's kind of crazy. So when you get signed up a practice squad, at least back then, they had to keep you active for three weeks, which gives you an accrued season. So I get there, and immediately I'm not playing. You know, and, and, and really one of the largest hiccups 
to my early NFL career was I had never played special teams in college. And so if you're a backup and you suit up for a game, you play special teams. Um, fortunate enough, the D-line coach, Mike Waffle, um, he was honest with me. He's like, Dave, if you can get your special team stuff figured out, which I was, I mean, this was my second year. I was, I, I could do it. They just had to trust me. Um, you're going to play D-line. Like, we're not going to sue you up just to play guard on punt team. Like, you're going to give Mike some, some rest and stuff during the game. So I really focused on that. And, and that third week comes and you're kind of like, well, is this it? You know? Um, but I think I had proven myself up to that point. And finally I got to suit up. You know, and it's ironic that I suit up late in the season and, and play. Um, you know, and then I play every playoff game in the Super Bowl. And I think the Raiders were like two and 14 or something <laughs> like that. And like, what am I doing here? You know, like, it's crazy. You made the extreme leap from going from literally the worst team in the NFL mm-hmm. to the top of the mountain. So, yeah, I couldn't make the worst NFL team, right? <laughs> like, exactly. Like, oh, you know, and, and I don't know if it works out if I have to play right away, right, Matt? Like, it, it just, it, again, being blessed and, and getting in a situation. Um, and I earned those guys' trust as quick as I could up front. So, once I got to play, um, they trusted me, and I and I always try to put my best foot forward. Listen, I got to pull back the curtain a little bit. As a Raiders fan, I feel like if you're active, then Oakland's winning a Super Bowl that year, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, hey, I feel like that's the parallel. You know who else ended up? He got cut actually, and ended up on the Giants that year. I'm sure you're familiar with the name Kevin Booth. Yes. Yeah. So Kevin Kevin was cut at, and 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 the Giants picked him up off the waiver wire at the in the preseason and I remember me and Kevin were like, "Hey man, kind of worked out." <laughs> you know, just joking with each other, we're playing in the Super Bowl and and me and Kevin played for 5 years together. Um but yeah, you know, yeah, I think you're right. I'll I'll live with you saying that. If they keep me, they win it, right? I feel like maybe if they would just you should just sign with the Raiders this year in Las Vegas. They can keep you inactive, but just have you on the team, and maybe that's what that's what they need. Uh, Man, I'd probably the only thing I'd be good at nowadays is maybe like cleaning the locker room or something. <laughs> hey, well, you said it. You know, do your job right. That's the Bill exactly. Belichick way. That's right. There you go. That's right. Whenever you get there, and obviously undefeated, Tom Brady, Super Bowl, New England Patriots. Uh, you know, Randy Moss across the way. Does what's going through your mind at that point or was was Moss the 11-1 and this was because now no Randy was there I mean they beat us in the regular season Matt and and we were in there you 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 I'm sure you remember that the last game of the season we were in the playoffs there in the playoffs you got that whole thing to arrest your starters well we didn't and and we were playing some pretty good football at this point and, and you know it sounds crazy but like let's give them all we got and 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 we might play these guys again if we make a run. And, the, and we had so much confidence. And uh, they beat us. Man, I'll never forget the speed in the NFL is just mind-boggling. We were bracketing Randy Moss, so we had a safety like at 20 yards over the top. And that last game of the season, he ran a go route in this poor safety. He turns around and starts running, and he looked like he was standing still. <laughs> Randy runs by him. I think that's when he caught his 24th touchdown or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just 
you know, that whole playoff run, I, I almost had a sack against Jeff Garcia in the first playoff game, and, and I'm playing pretty good on special teams. And, and one of my favorite stories in the Super Bowl was I had to block Teddy Bruschi, and and, uh, and he's on punt. I'm on punt return, and, and I grab him, and we're running towards the sideline. I just launch him out of bounds, and, and he knocks the ref over that's running down the sideline. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's the freaking Super Bowl, man. I'm doing my job. <laughs> You know, like that was the mentality. But I, again, um, a tough, a Tom Coughlin led team, you know, Mel was much more approachable, but very similar in, in a very kind of military ran organization. Do your job. And, and that's what Mel was all about, too. So I just fit in, you know, just tell me what to do. Where do you need me? I can do my best. And, and just it, it worked. You know, it just worked. It was unbelievable. It just, my wife was pregnant when we won, too. It was just so overwhelming. It, it, you know, and not to, not to really get on the bad side of things, but I had lost the national championship my senior year. And, and, and that hangs. It, I mean, that's something, you know, and you've talked to guys that played on those teams and, and, and it, you don't ever, in your football life, forget that feeling. It's a terrible feeling. Well, you think about that, of course, the, the 2005 Bearcats, Road Dogs, you get hot at the right time. You find yourself in the national yep. championship against, um, you know, David versus Goliath essentially at that point, and, man, you're that, that close to knocking off Grand Valley State. Did you ever stop and think a little bit in 2007 leading up to the Super Bowl, like, there, there's some parallels here. We got hot, we're rolling, we're feeling really good, and here's – Goliath waiting for us. Yeah, no question. No question. And, and you know, just knowing that it's just a – you're a play away. When you get to these championship games, whatever level you're at, a missed field goal, a, a drop ball, you know, and, and, you know, Asante Samuel drops that interception late in the game before that Tyree catch. I mean, he drops it right through his hands. Um, you know, the, that's just the inches of the game. And uh, yeah, of course I thought that, and and it meant so m- much m- for me to to win it because obviously I'm still close with all the guys that I played with in oh four oh five even oh three, and you and you feel like they're with you when you accomplish something like that in your career, you know. That's kind of poetic too to think about that of you know even such great teams at Northwest that did come up a bit short but you still carried them through the Super Bowl and had them with you there. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. For you personally, developing your 307, I have it here, 2007 to 2010, as you're with the Giants, you're not having to worry about the practice squad or bouncing around like you were with the Packers and Raiders at first, but you're firmly with New York. Five total sacks from 07 to 10, but in 2011 alone, you come out with five sacks, you play in all 16 games, a couple starts, for you, what was just really getting to that point to kind of flourish and find your spot? Yeah, it just was situationally it was a little odd. Um, so just real quick, obviously I'm backing up straight in in 07. 08, OCU Manura gets hurt. Um, so I'm, I think, like, okay, I'm going to get thrust into this potential starting role. Well, then they sign uh, McDougal, a guy out of Miami that, that, that played for the uh, Eagles. And then I think it was 09, um, 
OC's back, Tuck's back. I mean, I think Tuck has an all-pro season that year. And, and, and like, you know, I want to play more, but I'm looking around like, where do I play? Um, and that's pro- probably 2009. I started playing a little bit more defensive tackle. And then again, some more in 2010. And then in 2011, you know, we had drafted Jason Pierre-Paul. Again, we had O.C. Tuck and Jason. And and I'm looking around the room like, man, I don't know if I got a spot here in 2010. And, I and again, I work on this D-tackle pass rush and stuff. And then really it all kind of came to fruition with that NASCAR package in 2011. But I really had, had dedicated myself to playing inside, even in the run game. I mean, I wasn't – I was probably 270. So I was big enough and strong enough. Um, it was just a matter of getting them to trust me, and they did. And it's so interesting. You rarely see in the NFL where you get a group of guys, O.C. Tug, myself, uh, and even Matthias Kiwanuka that played together for five years. It's almost like a college-type situation. So by the, that fifth season, I mean, we, we knew each other like the back of our hands. We'd get in a game, and, and we had our own pass rush games. I mean, it was just – it was – it was, we just, it was like we had done it, you know, and you just really, you just don't see that in the NFL. So that's really what happened is, is they trusted me more. Um, I had worked on my craft playing inside, and, and there was an opportunity, and I grabbed the bull by the horns. It takes off, and you go in, and you beat the Patriots for a second Super Bowl. You won two, and you knock off Tom Brady in both. Um, do you feel like that makes Eli Manning the GOAT? Yeah, he's first ballot Hall of Famer, man. I'll die on that hill. I mean, with what he's done, we of course Eli. We talk a lot about Eli, and he gets a lot. You know, he's got his Manning cast with Monday Night Football and all that going on. But when we're talking about being underrated, and you touched on him a little bit ago, Tom Coughlin, I guess he one of the yeah. most underrated head coaches of all time. Yeah, I think so. It was kind of a shame. I thought he'd get a better look at the Hall of Fame this year. Um, I think he's definitely going to get in. Um, but man, it, again, I referenced it earlier playing for coach T and, and the way he ran his program. I love playing for coach Coughlin. You know, he had his little finicky things. You, you couldn't wear ankle socks. You know, the clocks are five minutes early, which every clock in my house is five minutes fast to this day. Um, but it, it, you just had to do your job. And, and again, that was something I was so comfortable with. And, and if I needed to do more, he would let me know. And Coach T is so honest. Um, sometimes, guys, when you're young, you have a problem hearing that, you know. And and but man, it was it, I was so comfortable having played for a program like Northwest Missouri State with how Tom ran the program. And then you talked about Eli. You know what you guys get to see in the Manning cast. I absolutely love it as fans. But that's the guy we had in the locker room. You, you know, and you, you could see it when we played with him, how we would defend him. And he was this guy with the funny faces and stoic, and you never hear from him. But, man, when the, in the locker room as a teammate, there wasn't a better human around. I mean, there just wasn't, and he deserves it. And that, I'm telling you, I, I really think he's a first ballot guy. I, I think with having beat Tom Brady and really the Tom Brady era um, twice and no one else having done that, you know, I think there's something to be said. Well, two of the 
maybe most clutch throws or clutch plays in Super Bowl history. You think about the Tyree catches you mentioned, Manningham with that one over the shoulder on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some big plays in, in Super Bowl victories for him. Was there anybody? I mean, you're from California, and um, I assume you probably spent some time maybe around Oakland or San Francisco and been in cities, obviously, prior, but Maryville's a little bit smaller on this end. You get out to New York, you know, that's a whole different beast. Did anybody take you under their wing, or did you just kind of figure out the Big Apple on your own? Yeah, I mean, that D-line group, we were so close, we kind of figured it out. It took a couple years, Matt. I mean, really... Um, I, I, you know, I still got the same pickup truck that I bought and I think I bought it in 2008, still drive it. Um, you know, you don't, you don't drive a half ton diesel Ford pickup in Manhattan, you know, <laughs> but you know, once you get comfortable really having all that time there and, and Megan and I, my wife, Megan being young and married, we really took advantage of it. You know, it's, it's more or less the capital of the world. So we got to see some broadway shows and and things that quite frankly you know living in the midwest now and have raising a family and things like that that are so important here which is why i I love living here um you you just don't have the opportunity to do so once i got comfortable because new york will chew you up and spit you out um then then about year three is when we probably dipped our toes more in the water trying to spend some time in New York City and and the food and everything was fantastic. I could imagine a place that big you you never quite discover everything. There's always something new every year that you're there just going around the corner. So Yeah, um, no question. City that never sleeps. Is that New York or do they call it something else? No, I think that's New York, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dave, I appreciate you coming on and doing the podcast with me today, and it's always great to reminisce and talk some Bearcats with you. Um, I've got three more quick ones, if you got just yep. a second longer. And so, previous podcast, I had Tom Funk. He's going into the Hall of Fame with you this year as well. Pitched in the majors for the Houston Astros in 1986 and got to ask him about some of his first experiences to see if he remembered his first strikeout, um, his first at-bat, that sort of thing. Similar for you. Do you remember your first sack, who it was against, who you brought down? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. It was it was 08, the year Osi got hurt, and I thought I was going to play more, and we signed McDougal. And uh, I'm just chipping away. You know, again, great D-line coach Dave. Just keep working on your special teams. You'll get in, you'll get in. Well, we're about to play Cincinnati, and, and if I wasn't on the active roster, I'd get a workout in on game day just to – just to keep my body right. And I'm just about to start my workout and Jerome McDougal's knee had swollen up. So coach Waffle or D line coach comes and grabs me like, Dave, we got a problem. I'm like, what, what's going on? He's like, you're going to have to play. And I look at him. I'm like, why is that a problem? <laughs> and I'm laughing. I'm like, I'm ready. He's like, well, we, let's go watch film. I was like, coach, I was in meetings all week. I, I, I got this. I got it. Okay. Okay. Well, we were playing the Bengals. And my first sack was against Carson Palmer, and which is ironic. I played with him in Oakland in 2012, and I never – always wanted to find the picture and have him sign it, and I could sign it, maybe <laughs> hang it up in my in my office or something. But, uh, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was unbelievable. Um, I maybe remember a little different. I think I beat the guy, but I think he was more worried about blocking Justin Tuck than me. Hey, either way, in the stat sheet, that's a sack for Dave, so that's all that matters. 
Uh, is there one sack throughout your career, one big play that stands out in your mind, maybe among others, bringing down a Hall of Famer by chance? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I had a chance. They didn't give me the sack. I thought I should have got it in the Super Bowl. But I, but I, Aaron Rodgers, who I had known from junior college and spending time around at Cal Berkeley, I had a bunch of friends that went there. So we had, and then I obviously was drafted by Green Bay. So I had a, I had a semi relationship with Aaron. We had just known each other. And it was that 2011 season. It was a Sunday night game. And just really the coolest, the coolest thing about it was, that was like the first time that I'd ever really heard the crowd when I made a play. I sacked him on a on a late drive, and I remember celebrating. There's ninety thousand people there, and and you just it was so neat. The crappy thing about it is like they drove down the field on a couple more plays, kicked the field goal, and won the game. Um, but it definitely was memorable. We ended up beating them in the playoffs as well that season. So we got back and and we got we got we got them back. So. Uh, that's one play that that's always kind of neat. That's pretty good because I was going through, and that's the one I jotted down. Uh, <laughs> that so good memory, and I can only imagine that in a moment like that, with ninety thousand people cheering, you're in prime time. You bring down Aaron Rodgers. That time stops for a minute. Like just it all just kind of hits you all at once of what you're doing and what you're accomplishing, and um, that's awesome. So that's yeah, awesome. it was. A, it felt like Russell Crowe in the Gladiator or something. You know, just. <laughs> it's a particular moment I'll never forget. So we've got an NFL defensive lineman, a two-time Super Bowl champ going into the M Club Hall of Fame coming up during the homecoming game this year. And then, of course, another NFL defensive lineman, Matt Longacre. You mentioned it. You guys both going to the Hall, a couple all-time great Bearcats. Of course, he does hold the all-time sack lead. Um, I sack knew title. you were see, I, this I couldn't, is something that Matt and I – when he was playing, we this we talked about it, like legit. Like you're not gonna get more than five. Me telling Matt, you know that's some you know just talking trash to each other, and and he gets what I think he at five and a half, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't let me live it. He's gonna say something at, at the at the banquet. I guarantee you, Matt's gonna say something about having. The, the the season of five and a half where I only had five, which I love. I, I mean, what's better than than two guys at the same position even, right, mm-hmm. that that are competing that didn't even play with each other? I mean, I, I you know, but we're, we're family, and, and I love it. That's, I just love the connection there, too, of you guys being fused there by Northwest, a defensive line being coached by Rich Wright. Um, but ultimately – and and we'll get Matt's take on this at some point, but I'm curious what you think. Who is the better Bearcat defensive lineman, you or him? Oh, it's not even close. It's me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to say the same. I'm telling you, he's going to say the same thing, which is, you know, speaks to the type of guys that we are. I mean, we've hunted together, too. Like I said, when, when Matt's in town, he doesn't live in the Midwest anymore, but um, we still like to catch up and – have a good time together and visit about our families now and stuff. And, and I, man, but what a list, right? Um, that's, that's you go loaded. Colin Bevins, you know, myself, Matt Longacre, uh, even Elijah Green now. And, and then you, you can talk about Ryan Waters, a guy that is, I think he was the all time tackle for loss leader when he was done playing. 
I mean, it's just a, a Dallas Flynn. It's really a list of guys just at the defensive end position that it's pretty incredible. And it's absolutely stacked year in and year out. So, And again, I hate to take things for granted because these guys put in so much work to get to this point, but we're going to roll into the game next Thursday and say, all right, well, who's the uh, first-team all-conference player here? You know, you just yep. expect there's going to be at least one or two. So. And that's the expectation. It is. And those guys know that. Coach Wright doesn't shy from it. You, you know, run to the ball. You know, we play hard and we lead the defense with with the the way we play football up front. And he doesn't shy away from it. And, and it shows uh, year in and year out. It's a Bearcat calling card. So That's uh, right. All right, Dave, one more for you. Do you play the game? It's on your phone. It's like a website. It's called Immaculate Grid. Have you heard of it? Um, I was. Didn't they do that with with the? They, they Matt Daniel has the the Bleeding Green mm-hmm. podcast. Is that what that is? Maybe. Um. Well, the the Immaculate Grid. It's like this thing that Baseball Reference. Well, I guess all the sports reference mm-hmm. websites took over to where um, they put up nine squares. And then there's like mm-hmm. three little categories at the top and three down the side and where those two things intersect. You, so if it's like, you know, the Angels is on one side and then the St. Louis Cardinals on top, you could put Albert Pujols. And so you're just supposed to guess. Okay, you got yeah. nine guesses, right? Well, okay. s- they have one now for football. And so the immaculate grid for football. So my question was going to be, have you ever played it? And are you biding time until you can enter Dave Tolfson into one of these squares <laughs> to be your right answer? No, I haven't played it. I'll have to actually check it out. Though I love that. I, I love sports trivia. It drives my wife crazy. <laughs> I mean, it does. I, and I grew up a baseball fan. Being East Oakland, the A's were right in the midst of their run in the late '80s and early '90s. Big Ricky Henderson, Dave Stewart, all those. I mean, I baseball was a big part of my childhood. You know, obviously, you know Tony Gwynn is a guy. Me and my friends still talk about him being one of the probably most underrated baseball players ever. Everybody talks about Ted Williams, but it'd be tough to pass up on Tony going as a hitter. But, no, I'll have to check it out, though. I love it. I love stuff like that. I'll, I'll send you a link because baseball today has the A's as a category. Um, and this, by happenstance, because you don't know what's coming the next day, um, but one of the categories on the football side, one is New York Giants, and then it intersects with one that says Super Bowl champ. So you could imagine Bearcat fans across the country on Immaculate yeah. Grid are entering Dave Tollefson. And so kind of cool fantastic. it worked out today, you know? Yeah, heck yeah, man. That's fantastic. It's, uh, it's neat. You know, I mean, it really is. It's, it's, uh, as I'm getting older and, and you reminisce and I get to share these things and doing podcasts and talking to you, you know, life. I always like to say time waits for no man, and, and you kind of keep moving with the young kids that I got. And to revisit, um, even if it's with Matt, I called Matt right away when I got in and at Longacre, and, and it was emotional for both of us, and it meant so much that we were together. And, you know, and, and that's, again, it's, it's, it's a nod to the way things are done in Maryville and with the football program at Northwest Missouri State. Well, th- those that are interested... Friday, October 20th in the Union Ballroom. They'll have the festivities and then, of course, being recognized on the field during the homecoming game October 21st against Pittsburgh State. Uh, Dave, we can't wait for it. Appreciate uh, everything you've done for us of coming on the show, but also just a great representative and ambassador for Northwest Missouri State University. Looking forward to seeing you here in October. 
I appreciate it, Matt. Beat the gorillas. Beat the Gorillas. Can't wait. October 21st. Homecoming here at Northwest Missouri State. Another terrific class going into the M-Club Hall of Fame and a rivalry matchup with Pitt State in town to face Northwest Missouri State. Huge thanks to Dave Tollefson for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. Some great memories to go through, but also just very generous with this time as well going on and talking with us for so long here today so hope everyone enjoyed this podcast if you did check out some of our previous ones uh, recently we had MIAA football media day some interviews from that last week as I mentioned Tom Funk played for the Houston Astros he's also going into the M Club Hall of Fame he was with us last time many more to choose from so please check those out subscribe rate review the podcast tell your friends about it Thanks so much for tuning in once again for Bearcat Rewind. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.